0: Welcome to another episode of the Globals Podcast Series. Ah. Okay, now it's better, right? Okay. Hi there. Uh, Let's try to wake up try to get a coffee, Uh, we'll try in the next 15 minutes to give you a practical perspective. First of all how to raise money, but before that uh, I will uh, show you some numbers that prove that Berlin is not anymore sexy and poor, but a little bit richer than before. Mm -hmm. So let's let's get the journey. So, first of all, I'm uh, founder of Capital Circle Group. Uh, it's the uh, tech agency based in Berlin that we advise startups uh, how to grow and how to raise funds. And also we help them with, with market analysis. Uh, sometimes uh, we ask ourselves why, why some countries or some companies or some economies are, are doing better. Uh, Just some statistics that prove that actually the most innovative countries or why some companies are based in these countries, why Silicon Valley is number one hub in the world. Just because also these economies uh, support innovation. And you see here that United States, Switzerland, the Scandinavian countries are always on the top in all rankings. Germany is not bad at all. It's below them, but it's never in the first two, three positions. Uh, That graph, it shows you, I will give you very fast some statistics and explain them as fast as possible in order to go to the main menu of the topic. That graph shows that uh, Europe in general and European member states in comparison with uh, some Asian countries and with U.S. are behind in innovation. That is something also that uh, Europe and European Commission knows. That's the reason One of the main priorities of the previous European Commission administration and the next one is to support with different ways uh, innovation and digital transformation. You know the Juncker package and you know uh, the European Investment Fund of European (coughs) Investment Bank through which many VCs were created and through which many startups were founded. So I think that must go on and we support it further but we talk about ecosystem right but uh, we don't really know exactly what does it mean so what does it mean ecosystem uh, and ecosystem is important because the most good startups go in the cities where the ecosystem is strong so and the ecosystem is not only the startups and the vcs the ecosystem are also the corporates the accelerators the incubators the consultant the media the state, the local authorities, the institutions, the the associations. And wherever the local ecosystems are strong, we see that there are better startups, more opportunities, more VCs, more exits. And Berlin is a very good example because at the beginning it didn't have that. And throughout the years that was developed very well and very positive. And we see that the money at the end of the day brings money, right? And we'll see that why. Uh, If we take some, and this is just one of the rankings of ecosystems globally, we see that uh, uh, Silicon Valley is uh, in all indicators by far number one in the world, and that's clear and we all know it. But Berlin is not number one in Europe. Actually, if you see, is number three after London and Paris according to this ranking, which is one of the most credible ones. Uh, this ranking takes into account different kinds of KPIs like funding, market reach, performance, connections, talent experience, and knowledge, and growth also, growth of the ecosystem. Still, we'll see that in some other indicators, Berlin is number one, But I believe that Berlin has the potential to become real number one in Europe, at least in all KPIs. Just to give you a little bit an idea about which sub-segments are important and which sub-segments had growth in the last years in the startup scene globally. Why that is important? Because you can identify if your startup is in the right sector, if your idea is in that sector, or perhaps if you can adapt your idea according to what you see here. You see that uh, uh, manufacturing and robotics are, and blockchain, uh, big data, artificial intelligence and analytics, FinTech, uh, agrotech also, edtech, education tech, are some of the sectors that actually are the top, right? So it's not always gaming, digital media and life sciences. These are also, but are not the ones that they had the biggest growth. The biggest growth are the ones that are on the top right. Here, very fast, which are the biggest successes, which are the biggest startups uh, per country in Europe? And you see that UK is by far number one with the biggest grow- growth tech startups, right? You have their uh, Deliveroo, you have uh, Shantzen and some others. Germany comes on second, and Stockholm is very, uh, Sokrum comes as, or Sweden comes as second because of Skype and Spotify, and Germany comes only third. That shows which are the so-called unicorns or in which country are based the, the, the so-called unicorns, the ones that they do the big, big, big success. And I think this is one of the keys that Berlin has to attract more unicorns than it has now. Because the unicorns attract fans, because the, the unicorns are the growth drivers and the success drivers, and I mean, Rocket rocket Internet is on, and Salando are some of the big successes in Berlin, but we need more than than that. Uh, That shows that uh, Germany overall uh, ranks number two after UK, but overall, the ones that I showed you are the very big ones. Uh, UK is number one. Uh, in comparison of course with other regions uh, Berlin in Germany is by far number 1 regarding all KPIs regarding invested capital regarding unicorns regarding growth tech startups regarding M&A here you see the biggest deals uh, in the last years uh, in comparison between the startups based in Berlin and in other regions I skip that so what makes Berlin unique some and what are the challenges before we go, how you can raise some practical tips to raise, startup, to raise funds. I think the factor cost is not the main one. I think what Berlin made unique, perhaps that was the most important factor at the beginning, uh, but I think what Merli- Berlin made unique throughout the years was the talent and the, the creativity, uh, the internationality in comparison to the other cities in Germany, the fact that is uh, the capital of the biggest uh, economic market in Europe that plays a very important role and that the economy was very stable in the last years that is a vibrant creative city that plays also a role if you see where the startups are based actually they are based in very cool cities they are not based in villages right and that plays a role the lifestyle because you don't want only to work from 9 to 12 o'clock in the evening, you want to have also a personal nice life. So San Francisco, New York, Amsterdam, London, all of them are cool cities, right? And we we'll always forget that. So Berlin, I think, didn't underline enough the factor of cool lifestyle, of creativity, um, and underlines a lot always the cost factor. The cost factor is perhaps an important factor, but not the most important one. Uh, also the stable framework. And then after the years, I think what happened that I think uh, we're on a good uh, path, but we need to do the next step as an ecosystem is that uh, we had the first success stories, we had the first exits that attracted some funds. What we need is, I remember many years or some years ago, the problem was that we didn't have enough funding here, especially at early stage. Now we have that. I think what is missing is how we can fund the big rounds. And this is what Berlin is missing. It's, di- it's still difficult to fund, uh, and America has, and London as secondary, has that advantage. There are the big funds there that they can uh, give funding for the very big rounds that they can fund the next round of Zalando, the next round of N26, right? So this is what Berlin needs. This is the first thing. And the next and the next thing is the the to open a little bit more. Also, the language is a kind of a barrier. Still, uh, in comparison to other regions, uh, it speaks more English. But still, I think we need to open up. Uh, Berlin partner does a great job, but I think even the Berlin partner and state could work more closely with. Uh, expat entrepreneurs, there are many expat entrepreneurs here, that each one of them has its connections to other countries. I'm one of them, but there are many others, Mario another one, and I'm sure many of you, you You're not all of you from Germany, and I think that is an advantage that other ecosystems use more. And the third factor is, I think, has to attract uh, that started to happen, more innovation centers and more corporates. Still Berlin lacks in in innovation centers and corporates. Uh, regarding invested capital, as I said before, Berlin ranks number one with a big difference from Munich as number two regarding the comparison in regions and uh, attracts two-thirds of the invested capital in Germany. So Berlin startups, that's why you should base your startup in Berlin. The same here across all sectors, and you see that uh, already in Berlin there are good startups in every kind of segment and sector. So that I said. So let's close with a, with a topic that perhaps you're mostly interested. Uh, which is the, the process, uh, what are the VCs look for, what you should be careful or what you should take care in order to make your startup more, more attractive? Uh, As many of you know, the first thing that you have to have is what we call Investor's Deck, right? So many think that uh, it doesn't matter how this Investor's Deck looks like. And that is one of the main (laughs) problems. Once I receive from a client a very good company, a startup in Berlin, with track record, with team, with clients, and I receive, this is a very characteristic case, with black as background. So nobody could read actually well and clearly. So simple things that you think they don't matter to to an investor, but even a small detail and the last small detail matters. So the first thing that they see, they do a screening. So HVC on average receives at least uh, uh, perhaps 100, 150 pitches per month. eh? So they don't have time, really they don't have time and perhaps one of the problems of the VCs is perhaps they miss some cases because they don't have enough time. So if uh, they do, you're not recommended by someone to open the email and to see your pitch, uh, you don't have enough chances even uh, your pits to be read. So it must be so perfect that not only will be read, but it will be read carefully because they don't really read it, unfortunately. So at the first street, they do just a very, very fast cross-check. And they say, okay, it is fintech, I don't, I, we don't invest in fintech. or They don't even understand if it is fintech or not. This is one of the problems at the moment because of the many, uh, of the large number of uh, startups, and some of them very good startups. And there not enough, let's say, there are enough VCs, but I think the the supply is, uh, or the demand is higher than the supply. That means that the screening phase, which is the very, very, very first phase, is the most important one and the most uh, painful one. Uh, I will explain in the next slide what a pitch should should include and, and in which structure. So this is the next stage. The big goal is to manage, to convince the VC first to read your pitch, but then to get a meeting. Many startups try to do that themselves because either they don't want or they don't have the money to pay an advisor uh, like our company. The problem in that case is the startups that are in a good phase and not very early stage, perhaps they can make it, but the problem in this, uh, in the most cases, that the most startups that they are in at early stage are the ones that they have the most difficulties and the ones that they need the money. So, what is the advantage of an advisor? The VC trusts the advisor because receives from the advisor uh, qualified, because we also check, first of all, not only our company, but also colleagues that they do that. We check first ourselves, the VCs, and Uh, We don't take all the startups as clients, so they know that we do our pre-check and we also help the startups to improve the model and their pitch. So when the VCs receive it, they know that they will receive something interesting for them, at least interesting. The second reason is that from advisors, the VCs receive more pitches and not just one. right? So they have a second reason to read what we send them. So the second goal is to manage to meet the VC and to do what we call the pitch, right? So the first thing there is to make very clear your model. There are many times that I experienced that the startup leaves the meeting and thinks that the meeting was great. But we know, unfortunately, because the VCs talk to us later, more honest and more open than they talk to the startup. The VCs always, they have the following policy also, and that's important for you to know. They always keep the doors open. They never tell you no. And they never tell you, we're never going to invest. They always tell you, now is the not right time, come in, come later. Perhaps if your sector is not relevant to the investment portfolio, perhaps they will tell you from the beginning. But in general, the doors open policy is, uh, A policy that they follow for obvious reasons because they don't know that perhaps your startup in the future will become a very big one so they want to have access but to us they say the truth and many times they don't understand from the first uh, pitch and meeting even your model or your revenue model Uh, I know many cases from good startups that we had to do two and three meetings in order the VC to understand clearly the model so you have to train yourself very, very well, not only to have a good pitch in the meaning of investor deck, but how you present, first of all, your company and second also your model and your team. So we'll see And the, se- the third phase is if they like you, the analyst or the principal will pitch that to, the, to one of the partners. So this is an internal process that takes place after your pitch to him because very rare you will pitch directly to the executive management. So after that, you will have to do a second or a third pitch to the partners to convince them. There you have to be even more prepared, of course, because after that, what will come next is the negotiation about the price evaluation. And there also you have to be careful. Sometimes I have here cases that... uh, They tried to oversell or to overprice. They missed the chance, then they couldn't find investment, and the startup collapsed or struggled, still struggling. So if they give you money, be careful not always to say so easily no, because it was too cheap, right? Uh, I don't say always say yes, but be careful when you say no to, to an investor. So the negotiation regarding the evaluation and the price is, is the third step and very important one. Uh, then the term sheet, the VCs have always some specific uh, terms that they want always to, to put in these term sheets. Uh, be careful there because some of them are tricky. Some of them, they are passive. Some of them, they are most active. Some of them, they want uh, to be in the board. Some of them no. Some of them to have uh, veto rights. Uh, There, consult your advisor or your lawyer because even if you have done excellent everything till that time, if the term sheet has problematic clauses, then you are trapped. (laughs) And then there is no way out. Uh, Also I have seen many startups, and that's another problem, that they prefer to have or they didn't manage to have a big investor. And they have a lot of small amounts, so you. This is not a good strategy because you're you're diluted. So and uh, it's not good to have a lot of angels, on or VCs with small amounts. Try to have two, three, good investors, or even ideally one or two, instead of having five, six, seven, because then first of all the situation becomes chaotic, and you are diluted. So. Diluted means the value of your stock uh, is lower than it could be. Uh, And the last one is the shareholders' agreement, the due diligence, of course, that all your legal and economic papers and documentation should be perfect. And then the the shareholders' agreement. What are your alternatives? And then I will go to the uh, last slide that shows you what exactly your pitch should have inside regarding chapters and topics. Of course, at the beginning, uh, try to find money from friends, uh, your personal network, people that they trust you. Uh, if uh, your startup is at the later stage, uh, except the angel and the VC, you have also other alternatives. For example, uh, you have also the possibility, instead of equity, to give convertible loans or there is the possibility also to do what is called uh, initial coin offering, right? There are some companies that they have used that lately. Um, if the companies at a later stage, some banks, not only Germany but also abroad, started to give some capital, uh, which was not the case in the past, so that is an, an option if you don't want to give equity, And to get a credit, and this is a good period to get a credit because the interest rates are very low. So you don't give out equity, you can get a credit. Uh, And then, of course, the bigger you become, the more possibilities you have. eh? If you become a growth state startup, you go on the big growth state startups, growth tech startups especially, they go more to private equity and not anymore to, to venture capitals and so on. The bigger you become, the lower is the risk, depending also how you use the liquidity. Okay, um, some of the things that uh, an investor always checks, and um, I had yesterday even an interesting talk with a startup that has a funding and goes for the next one. Uh, They see always the team. Don't underestimate the factor team. Perhaps you have the best company If the VC sees also internal problems between the team members, it will not invest because they will think that that's too risky for them. If the team fights, then there is a risk that the future of the company is is in question. Uh, Even the early stage VCs, they want to see some kind of traction. Why? Because the traction proves that the model works. If there's no traction, and many startups see that, but that's that, that's why I need the money. Yeah, but uh, it's like the chicken make the egg or the egg the chicken. Uh, a little bit traction with some few first clients is important. Uh, how big is your market? How unique is your model? Or how differentiated is your model in comparison to the competition? Uh, what is your competitive advantage or your value proposition? If you have partners already, references, and then be careful what amount you're going to ask and for what reason you're going to say that you're going to use it. Because there is a classic blah, blah that, yeah, we need half a million and we'll use it for technology development, marketing, and expansion, which is the classic story, but that's not the real case in all startups, right? That means... If you have developed the technology, you cannot say to them, I want just to add some futures and that's, uh, that costs half a million, because we all know that that doesn't cost half a million. Right? So why sometimes uh, the pitch is not good? Because the storytelling also is not good, the model is not described well and clearly, uh, even the design is not well and the content is not well prepared. So what your pitch should have. So if you see the second paragraph, I will try to explain it. First of all, it should be very well structured. And the first thing that you have to say, the VCs always ask, do you solve a problem? Or your solution solves a problem, covers a need, creates a need? Even uh, if your model doesn't answer to one of these three questions, then I would say that the case is problematic, right? Especially if we talk about VC and not an angel. The first question that you have to answer to yourself is, does your model solve a problem or covers a need mainly? Creating a need is even more difficult. How you solve this problem? So what is your model? Is there any other that tries to solve this problem? So that means how unique is your model? business-wise as well as technology-wise. Perhaps is your business approach the uniqueness and not the technology. Even if there is another one, it shouldn't, be how, it shouldn't be too many though, because they will ask you how is the competition. They will not ask you how is the competition only in Germany, they will ask you how is the competition globally, because the next thing that they will ask you is how scalable is your model, right? If there is one guy in the U.S. that does similar thing, not exactly the same, and you are the first in Europe, you're on a good path. But if there are five companies in Europe that they already do that, that's too many, right? And you have to rethink. If your model is the right one, you have to adapt it. That means uniqueness, and that is the one that makes the next unicorns, is the first thing that the VCs look for. And the second thing is, how do you differentiate yourself and what is your competitive advantage if you are not so unique? If your technology is not so unique or your business model is not so unique? Do you have a vision? So they want to see that you stay in the company and you don't take the money and you leave in the next two, three years as a CEO. That's the reason they put clauses that you will stay some years. How is the market? How is the competition? How innovative is your model or your technology also? Uh, How is the scalability, as I said before? How you earn money, and how is your price model? Sometimes you have all the previous ones, but I have experienced cases that these were in place, but the company could not make money. Either it was too cheap, nobody wanted to pay too much, right? Uh, or if we go to the marketplaces, depending also in what kind of segment you are, I have, I have experienced cases that the company had clients, but couldn't find users. So there were clients that were paying, but the users were not enough. So in ki- you have to see also what kind of model you will have. Or I had a fintech company that had some kind of uniqueness, but there were th- two three other similar ones not exactly the same and that was already a trap because a fintech uh, is a can be very big success story but also a big disaster because the investment capital that is necessary is much higher than in every other one because you have regulatory costs very high technology costs etc etc so be careful the segment that you will select if it will be marketplace if it will be SaaS, and every time there are some trends right not always the trends are the same they change what I showed you before you see that has to do with the trends of the investors if you ask now the investors the easiest model that they will invest in is SaaS now if you ask what is the easiest to sell at the moment is SAS service software as a service right you give a license and easy marketplace If it will become successful, super. But till to become successful is super risky because you have to have the users and the service providers that they will pay. So some models are more risky than others. Go to market strategy, national expansion, international expansion, so scalability in the local market and the international market. Marketing and sales strategy, how you will achieve economies of scale. I had one case that had all the previous ones and the VC was insisting a lot and actually didn't do the investment because of that because they were afraid that now everything is fine regarding the costs but from the time that the startup will start expanding abroad because the, the the personnel costs will be suddenly very high, it will not be covered enough by the sales. So these are also some details that you have to uh, take into account. Of course, technology development, what are the next steps? And very important, the traction should be linked to some references that they are known. My recommendation is better have fewer references from brands that are known because are trusted and is much more difficult to convince Vodafone or Deutsche Telekom, or big brands instead of many small startups? because that is an indicator that your company has very good potential. So try to have at the beginning some references, some known brands, but don't try to fake that because the VCs are clever and the investors are more clever than you. They know when the, the, the reference is real and they know when you try to fake them. So we don't talk about partners, we talk about clients that they pay eh? because they will ask you. They will see the logos and they will ask you which of these logos that you have in the presentation are real clients and not just partners. Right? And then of course your team, the state of play play now, so the stand now and where you want to go next in the next years the necessary capital that you need and be careful what amount you're going to ask and for which reasons, right? So, and I'm closing with, uh, and then we can have five minutes questions if you have, that uh, don't be afraid to try, even if you fail. The fail, the Americans say, is a good base for success. And uh, I think this is one of the things that we have a little bit to to improve in uh, Germany and in Europe in general. And this is one of the success factors in the US that the companies do not afraid to fail. And I will tell you the best example that you all know. Apple was not successful always. I used to work in the past as a lawyer. Do you remember Macintosh? The previous Apple laptops and computers, nice in design, compatible with nothing. You could see them, just watch them, and couldn't work, right? I used to have Macintosh 20 years ago. It was a disaster, right? But Steve Jobs insisted, adapted, found the right timing, and make it a success story. So don't afraid to fail, retry again and again, and believe in what you're doing, believe in your idea. Don't stuck always if something doesn't work, Adapt it. Adapt to what the market needs. Also, and the success is not far away from failure. So, if you keep on trying, I'm sure that each one of you can can make it at the end. Thank you very much. And I'm uh, open for questions. I don't know if there are any questions, practical ones or. Don't be shy. Don't There's be lots shy. of information that yeah. just came at you. You're all here to or s- or learn or how to make it happen. in in Berlin. So you have the master on stage. Make the best of it. Yeah. Yeah. Good good question. The pro uh, the Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good question. Um, in reality, the pitch does not include what is uh, what you call business plan, and it's better not to include all the details from the first time. The VC or even the agent doesn't want to see it at the first stage. Normally, the VCs and the investors, they want to see the pitch. There you can include some numbers regarding number of clients, Turn over and that's it. You don't need to have more. When uh, they tell you I like it and they want to talk with the CEO, so this is the next stage, so I have checked your presentation, don't send them m- numbers from the beginning. Never never send with the first email so many numbers. They, they're not going to see them. They don't care also. Because they don't know if they're interested in your company. So if they will like your company and they will ask for the first meeting, either through an advisor or directly at this stage they will ask you after the meeting for the business plan and then at the second stage you provide them the business plan don't forget to sign an nda either per uh, a specific uh, document or even per email is enough in order to keep the confidentiality from my experience there's no problem with that all the vcs they know their job so they keep the confidentiality but never send it at the beginning, doesn't make sense, there's no point, nobody reads it. It's the second thing that they ask. Other practical questions or other questions or remarks perhaps regarding Berlin or process. <laughs> <laughs> or <laughs> you ask me. <laughs> uh, that's a good question. So how, how to get uh, contact details from VCs? Uh, first of all, there are some databases out there. You have to know how to do good research, yeah. but uh, to, to be very honest that's the reason the advisors still exist. Yeah. Uh, this is our job so we, we not only us there are many others that they do that bigger, smaller, and each one specializes in something so we do more for example, less hardware companies and more software companies and some specific sectors and more Germany and UK and Greece and there are some others that they do US or uh, other countries. Um, this is a very valuable asset and is important to whom never also another another tip, never send an email to info or office or contact email, nobody will answer. Nobody, There's no point, you just lose your time, energy and then you're disappointed also. Uh, The VCs also, even if you have the email, so-called approach, there are few cases that will check it, uh, read it, and even answer. The best is through a reference, or where we send, they know us in the most cases. So we know that at least they will read it, and if they are interested, they will give me feedback. So this is the advantage that you have, and you have access to VCs and to the right people in the VCs. Also the VCs uh, you have before you send open their website and check in which areas and which fields they invest because your startup perhaps is not in their investment universe. The most VCs in the early stage are agnostic but the more you grow, so the more growth stage VCs are, if we talk from two, three million and over, they become more strict regarding sectors. And there's no point if your company is in food tech and the VC doesn't invest in food tech, there's no point to send it. Thank you, Yanis, by the way. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Globals Podcast Series. Music and production by Dirk Jacobs and 52 Degrees North Studio.